Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Chris Warden, and uh, as always, with uh, the legendary Andy Jones-Wilkins. Andy, uh, it's Black Canyon season. Great to be here, Chris, and good to be back on another preview show. We got a hot Black Canyon coming at us. Absolutely. It's kind of funny that you mention it being hot because one of the amazing things about this race, I've, I've competed in it four times. Uh, I have four... Uh, four finishes between 16 and 17 hours, basically the golden hour for Western states. So if there's anybody that knows how to get the race done, maybe not <laughs> in a pretty way, but get my money's worth, I'll raise my hand to that. Um, the thing about this race is that you never, you never know what the weather is going to bring mm -hmm. in February in Arizona. It has been unseasonably cold this year uh, for us here in the desert. And I've run that race in conditions that were sideways rain in the 40s and six inches of water for large portions of the course had multiple reroutes in the four times I've finished the race I've finished at three different finish lines <laughs> so there's a, a lot going on with the Black Canyon course um, how's the weather look this year have you taken a peek yet I've taken multiple peaks and I still don't know. <laughs> it seems like we're looking at highs approaching 70 maybe around Black Canyon City or so. Uh, the start of the race is going to be around 30 to 35 degrees for most runners. Um, there are three wave starts for those that aren't familiar. Um, the first wave will be at 7 a.m. The second will be at 7.30 and the third will be at 8. Um, most of the elites and top runners will be in that first wave, but there are some non-elites in there as well. I believe that some runners got their request of first wave. For instance, there are people that are doing the 100K on Saturday and the 60K on Sunday, I think it was fair to, even if they're back yeah. of the backers, to give them that extra hour in between the two races yeah. because their turnaround is going to be ridiculous. They have 20 hours to finish the race. And if you're not, you know, an elite runner, or 17 hours for the Western States lottery ticket. So it's, there's a possibility that you might get done at midnight or one and then have to turn around and yeah. start again at seven in the morning so good for them for taking that extra hour i believe that they're yeah i believe that uh, <laughs> i believe they're actually about 25 or 30 people uh undertaking the double this weekend yeah. so uh my hat's off to you i know some of you personally and i think you're all nuts but, <laughs> right <laughs> um but talking about the black canyon 100k course um i believe that it is got to be one of the the fastest courses in the circuit as far as major races go it's it's not like flat it's a net downhill that doesn't mean it's not tricky it's got some sections where you do have climbing and almost all of the climbing is in the second half of the race uh the first half of the race you're coming out of mayor high school you run through town on paved roads then you make the shift to dirt roads and after about two and a half three miles you actually hit the black canyon single track trail and from there, it rolls a little bit for the first, I would say, the, or the next six, five, six miles, perhaps. And then when you get to Antelope Mesa, the very first aid station, um, it becomes this downhill, like mm -hmm. smooth, wonderful running course that ducks in and out of canyon sections. And it's great because you might see somebody who looks like maybe like in a straight line, they might be... 100 feet away from you but because of the way that the course meanders through the canyons mm -hmm. they could be a quarter mile ahead of you and it, you get to see like a lot of you know back and forth uh through the the black canyon trail uh from there all the way to bumblebee it starts to get a little bit more rugged not not difficult but 
Oh. And, and Bumblebee sits right around mile 20, right? Yes, Bumblebee. And so that's a long, I mean, what, do you, what, what are some of those front runners, you know, the True Heart Brown last year? What was he running, or Scott Trayer? what were they running? That Were they sub-sevens or? Oh, I, I, I would believe so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have found myself in that section between Antelope Mesa and Hidden Treasure doing a, you know, 8.30 pace. Mm-hmm. For me to be going that fast means that they're probably pushing 6.30 or yeah. faster yeah. in that section. It just, it the, the things just tick off so quickly as you're heading down there. Um, there is the potential that you could trash your quads there. Oh, there, well, here's the thing. You can trash more than your quads. You can, <laughs> you can trash your whole day, and I've seen it happen. <laughs> Runners either in the front of the pack, the back of the pack, they go out hot to Bumblebee. I've... I've had people, friends, who have gotten to Bumblebee 30 to 45 minutes before me that finished an hour or more behind me mm-hmm. when all was said and done because they just burnt themselves out. I mean, they're feeling great when they get to Bumblebee. Mile 20, well, then, you know, it kind of levels out. And then, um, you know, it gets a little bit more rugged about uh, Soap Creek, about the 50K mark. And before that, note, uh, our, our good friend of Aravipa, Chris Thornley with yes. Squirrel's Nut Butter, long aid station, you know, captain and Bumblebee. host at Bumblebee. Yep. His brother, Craig, will be up there. I spoke to him yesterday. He'll nice. be up there as well before coming down to the finish line to deliver the golden ticket. So Bumblebee should be a festive and exciting place at the end of that screaming downhill. Absolutely. Actually, uh, Bumblebee was the first place I met Chris Thornley uh, <laughs> several years ago. Ironically, I dropped at the next aid station. Uh, <laughs> Uh, due to chafing. <laughs> um, and what's funny is that when I got there, I was I, I just was like mentally not there. And I get to the aid station at mile 24 and at uh, Gloriana. And Chris, I was at the back of the pack of the 60K that day. And Chris had already like moved over to Gloriana to kind of like, you know, touch base with them because it's just right down the road from mm-hmm. one another. And when I said I was dropping because I've got too much chafing, Chris is like, well, I have something to... That can might help you, and I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm done." <laughs> well, now I've I'm a complete devotee of Squirrel's Nut Butter. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Chris Thornley and I met, you know, actually on this race course. Fantastic. So, um, so then from from Bumblebee to Black Canyon City, you got 17 miles. Yeah, and that's where things get interesting in the second half of that 17 miles because. You head right down into the depths of the canyon, and I don't know what the water levels are like. It sounds like there is water on the course. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a couple of water crossings, uh, one or two probably, I think, before you hit Black Canyon City. And they're not, you can skip rocks. Your feet are going to get wet. You can try, (laughs) maybe, but I wouldn't suggest it. Just pull through it. If you're really that concerned about it, bring a change of socks for Black Canyon City because you don't hit water before the halfway point. So if if you can change your socks at mile 38 at Black Canyon City, Mm -hmm. that should be just fine. But here's the thing. You climb out of the canyon to Black Canyon City aid station and it's a huge aid station and you're actually like literally right next to Rock Springs Cafe right there. Mm -hmm. And then you had right Which back- is, of course, right next to the interstate that could take you right back to your hotel room. Totally, if you're getting those wheels. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Right. But but the thing is, is that as soon as you leave Black Canyon City, you head right back down into the canyon and have a water crossing maybe a mile and a half out. And that one's unavoidable. And yeah. it's worse as the day goes on because you actually have a little bit of a steep bank on the south side of the r- river or wash or whatever where, like, I 
I've genuinely had to crawl on hands and knees, like really? grab it. Well, it gets muddy through it's all. It's like sandy, muddy, silty. It's pure mud. Yeah. And and what happens is, is if you're a back of the packer like me, like it's not going to affect the the front runners, you know, very much at all. But by the time that you know five, six, seven hundred runners have already hit that portion of the course, yeah, it's rough on those of us. Yeah. Like and my, you know, I'm covered in mud by the time I get through there. And then that begins begins the long climb on the course, at least one of the two long climbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't stop climbing until you hit Cottonwood Aid at mile 47. Mm-hmm. Then you head down from Cottonwood into another water crossing right before Table Mesa. And that's the final water crossing of the course under normal circumstances. I don't think that there's water in the course after that ever. But Table Mesa at mile 51 is... And then you've got one more. Yeah. And you can see the beastly climb, yeah. for, especially for Black Canyon, right? Yeah, you can yeah. see the the headlamps like kind of moving left to right up the hill, you know, as it were. And and dep- well, if you're at the back of the pack, and I'm speaking from or my chasing experience. that or chasing that uh, lottery ticket. That That's 17 true. hour yeah. finish. Which, yeah. by the way, we should get it in there. We're going to be covering the golden hour, absolutely, uh, of the race back on the live stream in the middle of the night from yeah. uh, from the finish line. So it's exciting. But folks who are interested in hearing uh, about and seeing folks finish in that 17 hour range, well, Chris and I will be out there, and it should be a lot of fun. We haven't done it before. We'll see. Well, the static cam will be up you know, all along in the finish line, but we'll do a little commentary there between uh, 11 and one uh, mountain standard time overnight. So, I mean, you're right at that point, there's a lot of headlamps. There's that second night. There's the potential of the cold. There's that one more beastly climb. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you crest that climb and are you home free? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You hit uh, the final uh, aid station with about three and a half miles to go. Doe spring. And after that, it's it's pretty flat. And you can actually see the finish line from a couple miles away in the ooh, dark. Ooh. Yeah, it's one of those moments. So you're <laughs> and, and for me, like because I always ran it, you know, when there was a single wave at seven PM or I mean seven AM, I was chasing midnight. It was like Cinderella. Right. And yeah. And I've finished it in sixteen fifty four. 1657, 1611, and 1649. So each time, like, there have been years where I was the final person to make it under 17 hours. And, you know, you could, first of all, you can see them from two miles away. And then as you're, you know, getting closer, like in the last half mile, quarter mile, you can hear them and just feel the energy. Like, they, especially because I, have cut it so close they are like screaming at me to to get in because they know that seconds matter you know and you think about you know when a race and like 1701 that, would be heartbreaking oh yeah i've, I've had friends that have finished yeah. just after 17 yeah. and it is uh, uh you know just a you're gutted for them yeah. you know but um we will be covering the uh the chase for those uh lottery tickets you know we'll pop back on the air and uh in the wee hours of saturday night into sunday morning but Today we're here to talk about the Golden Ticket Race, and uh, there are some amazing athletes. We mm-hmm. say this every time, but this time we mean it even more. Yeah, you know, um, looking at this field, uh, I guess uh, we can start with uh, the women's field first. But on, on either side, you know, it's another one of those situations where we we could potentially see you know a number of runners come away with golden tickets and another set of runners that wouldn't be surprising if they did, you know, sneak into a golden ticket situation. But, you know, we might not even mention them today. That's how many mm-hmm. high-level yeah. athletes there are. So I guess uh, if we wanted to just dive right in, I've got my notes, you've got your notes, but 
Um, I guess looking at the women's field, uh, I think that the the first name that we should probably t- or actually let's let's talk about the first and foremost, even though it is a golden ticket race, the people who are not chasing golden tickets. I wanted to start with that because yeah. I think it's an interesting dynamic and it says something actually about the stature of Black Canyon as a race, that there are people coming here to run, potentially to win, mm-hmm. who already are in Western states yep, or have already declined their spot in Western states. And there's mm-hmm. three of them in the women's race. There's Heather Jackson, who mm-hmm. has a sponsor spot through Hoka. There's Casey Lichtai, who has a, a race admin spot at Western states. Uh, and there's Allison McDonald, who finished at West second place at Western states last year yeah. and declined her top 10 spot because she's focusing on other things. She's a, a, a well-known runner down here in Arizona. Yeah, she's run, won this race. She spends a lot of time down here in Arizona. She's won this race. So there's that's an interesting dynamic, right? Let, let's just say Heather, <laughs> Elsa, and Casey finish one, two, three. Wouldn't surprise the me. golden tickets are going to be fourth and fifth. That's so I mean I think that's a, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting dynamic. That would that would take a lot of sort of checkers to line up. But I but I think it's interesting to note that. And then on the, that that's the three on the women's side that I think are in that category. There's only one on the men's side, Tom Evans, yeah. who finished third at UTMB, mm-hmm. um, which is the most competitive golden ticket race. Yeah. Um, but I think we're talking about Black Canyon being right up there as potentially the second most competitive. Of the sub hundred. Of the sub hundred golden ticket races. Yeah. So I feel as though that dynamic is an interesting one. It, looking quickly at the women's field, there are some question marks. Um, right out of the gate, Eda Nielsen. Eda... If you just put her side by side against just about anybody in this field would be the prohibitive favorite. But there's a little rumbling. I went and poked around on Strava. She's been skiing a lot that she might not be 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ida, I wouldn't bet against Ida for a second, but I think that'll be an interesting story, particularly in that first 20 miles between the start and Bumblebee. Maybe she's working on some kind of injury. And if she gets to mile 20 and it's sort of like, well, I guess, I guess it's okay. It could be game on, or it could be like live to fight another day. So that's an interesting question mark. Number one, question mark. Number two, Keely Henninger, wonderful story. Got a golden ticket entry way back at Lake Sonoma, declined it because she felt like she wasn't ready for Western States. Got another one, got to Western States in 2022 and got hit with a bad ankle injury and oh. ended up having to drop out. Well, she's also had a top 10 finish at Western States. Oh, she certainly too. has had a top 10 finish at Western States, but she has that fire to come back and we'll see hearing your course description. And I'm curious about this. If you're coming in on a, and I'm not saying Keely has a gimpy ankle. She's smart. She's probably 100%. But is is Black Canyon the kind of course that you'd be worried about a gimpy ankle? Or is it relatively smooth where you could, with exception of few places, might be able to get away with a gimpy ankle? It's very runnable. Um, I, last year, Jeff Colt apparently ran the second half in, in road flats, which I found surprising because I would think that you'd, run the road flats in the first part, like up to Black Canyon City, you could probably get away with it. In the second half, um, I feel like it's more chunky. It's not It's not like you're bouldering or anything like that at any stretch, but coming out of the the last, or not the last, the, the first road crossing after Black Canyon Road, 
water crossing, <laughs> Black Canyon City. Water road. Yeah, you got to watch out on both of them. But um, but you find yourself in in a kind of a, like you know just a, a bunch of nuggets basically serve as the trail for a couple miles as you climb up. So so there could be if if Keeley is favoring her ankle, it could be an issue. So so a couple the, the Eden Nielsen story, the Keeley story, and then late entry. Into the race, Alexi Pappas, <laughs> Matt Feldake's favorite. Yes, uh, for <laughs> to those... win the whole thing, Greek American, 2016 Olympian. Yes, <laughs> uh, and and uh, uh, Alexi, it was basically an 11th hour entry. It mm-hmm. was in the last couple of days where somebody else happened to notice her name pop up, and that's one of the fun things about monitoring ultra sign up as these races draw near is that. Like there's no hiding for these pro athletes. Like yeah. they eventually have to, you know, say, you know, when they're coming in. Um, Alexi is interesting to me because she doesn't. I mean, she obviously has the fitness and capability, but she doesn't have the resume. And I feel like in a race like this, on a course like this, with a field such as this, that experience matters. Now she had a fine showing at Bandera, um, which also raises another question. She finished 12th, mm-hmm. but she was about two hours off the podium mm-hmm. at Bandera. So what is her turnaround going to be like on, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Bandera was just, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So is she capable of running back-to-back uh, 100Ks at a high level? Because this field is is as strong as Bandera's was. Um, oh, arguably you know, strong. Like, yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that I was going to talk about, like with some of the people who already have their tickets, and interesting that I didn't even think about the fact that they could cause this <laughs> ticket to push down to four or five. I mean, Allison McDonald is, uh, and I'm going to fully credit uh, Single Track and Finn and Brett and Leah on this, but I was there, so I also knew that it happened. But Elsa is the last person to beat Courtney DeWalter in a trail race that Courtney didn't drop. Yeah. I mean, that was Black Canyon here. So, I mean, she's won this race. Casey's won this race. Yeah. Um, Heather Jackson, I think, is a different case. And I was talking with uh, a couple of elites um, simply because her newness to the sport and her entry into Western states has people kind of, you know, raising the eyebrow. Like, I feel like she has to show out here regardless like she's gotta finish in those top couple spots to show not that she isn't not that she's capable because she we know she's capable but that she belongs the thing is is that at west at at javelina she was torching that course for 60 miles right well that's what this course is it's 60 miles i think it was more of a lesson learned for her once it got past 60 miles at uh at, at javelina but she showed that she belongs and that she's capable. I, I absolutely agree. And I think Heather knows that. Yes. I mean, I, she's, she, comes from, her. she comes from the Ironman background. She knows you don't, there's no free lunch. Yes. She has a Hoka spot. She earned that. Mm-hmm. She could have declined it and said, no, I want to get it at Black Canyon. But she knows, you know, with very limited ultra experience, that coming here and having a good performance, not only is going to be a great training effort for her going into Western States, but it's going to potentially legitimize her in the eyes of perhaps the critics yeah. who might, I'm not one, but they're, but in the critics who might be like, oh, she got a free pass. And by yeah. the way, she ran those first three loops of Havelina 
like no woman has in the history of the race. Yeah. Yes, she, you know, she she faded in the end, but it it I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's gonna be willing to like go with her. Yeah. I mean, we saw it have Alina. No one really went with her, and then she came back, mm-hmm. uh, and then Devin just crushed. So and as as did Nicole Bitter. So I think. It'll. I think just talking about the dynamics for a second. I think Heather's going to go. Alexi may go. A note, by the way, on Alexi. You know, her only other ultra is Avalon Benefit 50k, which is out on Catalina Island off yeah. the coast of LA, which has a lot of long, gradual ups and downs, and a lot of like really hard packed dirt road and trail mm-hmm. that's kind of like the way you're talking about at least the first half of this course so i think if she can keep it reined in you know she'll be better off than going with heather but she might not be able to control herself and she may end up going with heather yeah uh a couple other runners that i was you know looking at and you already mentioned uh two of them um Eda nielsen you know we'll talk about her a little bit later i'm sure uh keely henninger you know in her all right, uh, and we're back. Um, we were talking about uh, a group that I, I've got my picks kind of like bracketed into uh-huh. like different groups, and uh, we were talking about uh, Lottie Brinks, who had had an excellent having a hundred k in uh, in October. So you know her fitness level has got to be up there. You know, again, another name, and so far we've named off like six or seven names. Well. You know, when you're talking about your top five for your free trial fantasy, well, we've already hit seven, and we've still got several more to to, to go. Um, what are your thoughts on Lottie and her chances in this? Race? I think she's has got a good shot. I think it's. I think she. I put her in the, a similar category as Sarah Beal, the winner of uh, JFK. Mm-hmm. Like she's got you know good raw solid foot speed. Uh, interesting kind of dynamic. It'll be interesting to see how she does. You know, with it in the heat of what might be a little bit more competition than she's used to. Okay. Um, one of the things also, uh, there is a local contingent, multiple Era Viper racing team members, other people that we know um, ha- and have gotten familiar with, all have like some semblance of notoriety locally or regionally. Um, like Georgia Porter, which has already been touched upon, Georgia's just had an unreal last 12 months. Uh, Vivian Camille Bobbitt, who was on the Bandera broadcast, mm-hmm. multiple uh, top ten golden ticket finishes. So you know she might not have like been on the podium or in you know or won these races, but she's definitely been one of the first people to cross mm-hmm. the finish line several times. Bree Grigsby, multiple, I believe, three f- top five finishes in golden ticket races. So she's right there. Uh, Nicole Hansen, who is new to the Era Viper racing team for this season, she finished ninth here last year, and she's been getting faster. I feel, I honestly believe that she ran her ninth place finish last year, really kind of not realizing how good she is. She finished sixth at Mogollon Monster, leading most of that race for the first half. She came into uh, Buck Springs at mile 45 alongside Pete Kostelnik. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's, you know, an amazing runner. Uh, Melissa Ostazewski is now healthy and uh, she is, you know, coming down from Flagstaff and uh, after some serious, uh, you know, health concerns as far as like, I believe some leg issues, but now she's up and ready to run mm-hmm. again too. So we've got a local contingent that is also familiar with the area and familiar mm-hmm. with the trails. So of that batch, the one that pops up for me 
is Georgia Porter. Absolutely. Georgia Porter, our Viper Racing team, course record at this past year's McDowell Mountain Frenzy, Run Rabbit Run 50 Mile, a win at Crown King. 15 minutes behind Eden Nelson's just incredible crown king, which broke an Ann Tracen record, by the way, yeah. if you if you want to go back in the way, way back machine. A second here at the Black Canyon. 60K, former Olympic trials marathoner, blah, blah, blah. Never run 100K. Right. So you, you're, there's always they're they're always there. Right. There's always that first hundred K. I think this is a chance for Georgia Porter to break out. She's coming onto the big stage. I think of that local semi local Aravipa team group. Keep your eye on Georgia Porter. I agree. I think that Georgia is uh, primed based on what she's done in recent races to be in the discussion for the entirety of the day, assuming everything holds together. Um, that's not to discount like, you know, Vivian or Bree sure. or Melissa or Nicole. Uh, to be honest, I actually wrestled with whether or not to put Nicole in my top five. Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've known her, you know, better than most of them because I actually do uh, train with her in a couple of, you know, we have a, we're friends and we've got, you know, she comes out to the group runs and everything like that. So I get to see how, how well she's doing, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would not count out locals either from here or from Flagstaff or even from Tucson. Well, I, I want to jump in on the, on the buckets because in the overseas bucket, we've talked already a little bit about Eden Nielsen, but Ingvild Kasperson Tell me. popped up on my list, uh, overall winner at the Flagstaff Sky Peaks mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year uh, or, or last year, uh, but a 30th place at CCC. Uh, she is one of the contingent of Adidas, Adidas Terex runners like Tom uh, like Tom Evans and others who are here in Sedona the week leading up to this race, so yeah. she's here anyway. Uh, but I'd be curious. I'll be curious to see uh, how you know somebody from uh, from I believe she's from Norway, but we might have to fact check that. Uh, how 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 Ingvild does, but it'll be interesting. She's run here in Arizona before, and I'm being I'm intrigued by that story. Speaking of the Adidas Terex team, we do have uh, somebody in on that that's going to be joining us on the live stream, I believe. I think that Corinne Malcolm oh, yeah, is actually Corinne up there is with them. Oh, yeah, Corinne is very active in the Adidas Terex team, and you know, she'll be joining us on the live so, stream. So. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, we are going to have an absolute crushing team at, yeah. at the live stream this weekend. Uh, myself, Andy Jones-Wilkins, uh, Dylan Bowman, and Corinne Malcolm, the the Western States crew is coming into town, and then we've also got the single track guys again, uh, Brett Hornig and Finn Melanson. Uh, that's our in-studio crew. And then we've also got uh, um, Leah Yingling out on course is going to be with Jamil, and who is it that I'm uh, forgetting? Zach Marion. Zach Marion. Zach Marion will be – so the so uh, Leah and Zach will be leapfrogging, covering the different aid stations, with each with their own film crew. So, it is so much fun, too. Yeah. I've done that. Like, uh, the very first year we did a Black Canyon live stream, myself and Rob Ricardo basically just leapfrogged aid stations. Yeah. and. Yeah. And then finally we got to the finish line and that was the year, um, I think, I can't remember which, it was 2021, yeah. I know that Sensiman got second and finished like six minutes ahead of Nick Curry for that golden yeah. ticket. Yeah. We had a blast. But yeah, I hope that you join us for our uh, live stream uh, this weekend. Um, Time there, for picks. Well, actually I was going to say, do, All right. um, are there any other women that we haven't hit upon? There's, that you there's, wanna... a, oh, there's a big one, Hannah Algood. Yes. Uh, Hannah Algood, 2022 uh, San Juan Solstice, first place. Gorge Waterfalls, 100K, first place. 
2021, never summer 100K, second place. But there's a but there's always a but similar to the but of Georgia never running 100K or Ingveld 30th at CCC, 14th at CCC. Now, I mean, CCC stacked. Yeah, to me, if you finish CCC in the top 50, I... But, (laughs) but, you know, she's got some folks ahead of her. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how Hannah Algood does. I know she meticulously prepares, and I think uh, she's probably coming into this. She spent a three-day training camp down here on the course, so she's not going to make any mistakes. Okay. I think um, that covers my... Well, we haven't talked about Casey. She almost needs true. no introduction. <laughs> I mean, she she did have that fourth place finish at Havelina. Was disappointed. Was planning to come back and defend, uh, to come here to Black Canyon and earn a golden ticket. And uh, was able to uh, secure a race admin spot at Western States. I have it on good authority. It was well-deserved. It's something that that she has worked for. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's not something yeah. that was just dropped on her plate. And what this allows, of course, is Casey to run free uh, this weekend and to come to Western States this year, getting her ninth finish and then her triumphant 10th uh, finish in the 2024 race. Because for those of you who don't know, one of the nice rules Western States has in place is once you have finished the race nine times, they let you in automatically. One time, you get one <laughs> chance, they let you in automatically to get your 10th finish. Well, so, and you, you've known Casey a long time. I mean, I've only met her more recently. Like, actually, I met her at Havelina for the first time. She is as deserving of of that as anybody because she's not only a great runner, she's a huge ambassador for the mm-hmm. sport. I mean, mm-hmm. she is, a, you know, a bright spot on, on, on the trail and ultra running scene. So yeah. I think that that is absolutely, I have no qualms about that whatsoever. She, she deserves that as kind of like a, I mean, almost like a career achievement award at this point. Um, the one thing that I wonder about with Casey, and I go back and forth on this, I mean, obviously she had, a, you know, devastating um, condition that she was mm-hmm. like trying to come back from. It was a major know, hamstring rupture that yeah. she had to have surgically put back together. And she came back and she had a great run at Havelina, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. But like, is is Havelina her at 100% or is like there another gear that we possibly just haven't seen? Like... With her performance at Heaven 100, does that evoke the images of what she was doing when she was winning Western States? You know, or is there like still some work to do for her to ascend even higher? I guess I, I, I don't think we know for sure. We know that she ran Western States 2022 at say 70 percent. Yes, uh, I would say she came to Havelina with the goal of getting a golden ticket, probably at some point in the race realized it was out of reach. I don't I wouldn't say she downshifted, she never downshifted, but she realized, okay, I've got a I've got more work to do. The the blessing of the race admin spot came, which was just a little bit before uh, the Western States Lottery in early December. She kept this on her calendar. She has a traditional set of races she does both in her local region and she always goes to the Memorial Day training camp. I think we're likely to see 
2016-2017 Casey back at Western States this year. Probably her first the first 100% Casey we've seen since the year after she won. That would be amazing yeah. because honestly, like that's something that I've really wrestled with as to whether or not we've seen her, you know, on the comeback trail if she's truly one hundred percent back. Yeah, like that's how and, talented and, and she nobody, is. as someone who experienced the Western States magic more than most, nobody embodies it in the current group of runners more than Casey. Something special happens to her on that course. She'll be the first to admit it. And I'm have a she feeling she gets emotional talking about it when oh, you interviewed her yeah. Yeah, last yeah. year. You could hear it in her voice about how much she cares about yeah. uh, that race. But that's the way she seems to approach the sport in general. Yeah. Like she really is is running with a with a with a grateful uh, appearance um, because of how much she's gone through to get back to even where she is now. Yeah. So, uh, and who knows, maybe she does have, you know, another, you know, high level, you know, act in her, uh, in her racing career. Yet I mean, to you, come. you really, on the, on the women's side of things, you have to go back to Nikki Kimball, you know, 10, 15 years yeah. ago to find a, 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 an athlete to do, you know, to be in the, in the hunt for the top 10 every year for 10 years. Yeah. Shortly after that, we saw Ian Sharman who did that, you know, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Casey's in that caliber. And I, I mean, she doesn't want to just go off into the sunset. You know, she wants these last two Western states to, to be proud finishes of that race. And then she's going to get that 10-year buckle and hopefully volunteer with me for the rest of her life. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you did, right? You that's got to 10 did, right? and you were like, okay, I'm good. Um Picks? Let's do picks. All right, you can go first. All right, so I'm I'm uh, as as I've, I as much as I love these interesting stories of Ingvid Kasperson, Keely Henninger, Casey, Eden Nielsen, and Sarah Beal, I'm going with Alexi Pappas in fifth. Okay, I think I think she's learned at uh, I think she learned at Bandera. I think she must have signed up for this re- race at the last minute because something clicked in her fitness. She's not just going to show up here and get another twelfth place. Georgia Porter, I'm going with the Aravipa team member for fourth. I just think, yes, never run 100K before, but enough knowledge of the desert, you know, with Crown King and McDowell Mountain Frenzy and Black Canyon 60K, I'm going with Georgia. In third, got to go with Hannah Algood with the San Juan Solstice win, the Gorge Waterfalls win. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just think she's not going to line up at the start line unless she's ready to win. Elsa McDonald's going to cruise to second place. She already has declined her spot, and Heather Jackson wins it. Oh. And her triathlon friends are going to be all over the uh, chat, and uh, and Heather will have that win under her belt and be able to go into Western States knowing that she's got that under her belt, which means if they accept them, Hannah Algood and Georgia Porter are my picks to take the women's golden tickets. Okay. Um, in my picks, number five, I've got Keely Henninger. Um, I feel like, you know, she seems to be in a good place right now and, you know, she's as, as talented as anybody in this field. That's the thing. When we're talking about our picks there, it's not just five people. It's like 10. You're almost, you're almost just kind of, you know, at, at the mercy of, you know, the fickle nature of this sport in terms of like just getting lucky that, you know, all of your runners, you know, just align that day. Yeah. Um, number four, I've got Heather Jackson. I'm curious oh. to see how she handles the second half of this race. Obviously, she, you know, she finished the first 100K at Havilena 100 uh, in, you know, just torching the field. But 
the last 20 miles of this race are far different than the third loop at Havelina. So we'll see. And this is not like a strike against her. Frankly, if if she finishes fourth, I think that that more further still reinforces the fact that she belongs at Western States. Yeah. Um, number three, I've got Georgia Porter. I think that oh, Georgia right. is, you know, you know, this being her backyard is a, you know, a, a, a stroke in her favor. And I've just, I've seen her run and oh my goodness, like she's just so talented. Mm-hmm. Obviously this is a step up in distance, but it's not a huge step up in distance because she just ran her first 50 miler, you know, last year. So uh, number two, Allison McDonald, uh, she, you know, she beat Courtney on this course. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Enough said. And number one, I already said this on Twitter, people are sleeping on Ida Nielsen. Ida Nielsen. Ida beat an Ann Trayson record at Crown King. She has run to success in the desert. She has success at this distance at CCC. I just feel like she's got the talent if she's ready. Now, the word on the street is that her mileage is not where other you know high-level runners would normally be heading into this race. But then again, we also don't know what she's doing outside of that. She could be doing a lot of cross-training. She could be just saving her legs. You know, I feel like Ida is being slept on by a lot of people. And, you know, having, again, having seen... What's funny is that, like, not only did she win the Crown King scramble that, the year that she ran it and set the course record, her brother did the exact same thing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They, they both came in, you know, <laughs> from you know from abroad and basically just smoked the entire fields uh, on both sides. So you know they uh, and and Crown King has long had like a you know beat the course record, you know grab some cash. So they basically I hopeful I hope they subsidized their trip by basically just coming in yeah. and scooping those uh, those course records. Well, man, those are some great picks and and only further indication that. You never know what's yeah, going to happen. for sure. <laughs> um, before we head into the uh, men's side, I want to give people a quick heads up. Uh, if you've got some questions, throw them in the chat, and we'll do our best to hit as many as we can uh, at the end of the show. We are uh, under a clock, so we're going to be uh, bowing out just before the top of the hour. But uh, let's jump right into the men's side. All right. All right. Um, can I'm, I start? I've absolutely. been dying to talk about this. Yes. So the, to me, the story of the men's race is the Western states dreamers, the Western (laughs) states hopefuls, the Western states want another crack at it, guys. Yeah. Okay, Uh, in this group, Stephen, a lot of them are local or regional, Stephen Kirsch, Ryan Miller, David Laney, Nick Curry, Tim Frericks, Cole Watson. Those are six names. All but Nick Curry have run the race before. Okay. None, I would say, with the possible exception of Stephen Kirsch, I haven't asked him, have achieved to their ability at Western States. And, oh, sorry, a seventh, Eric Sensiman. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, how could I forget Eric Sensiman? That's seven we love Eric Western Sensiman. States. There's only two golden tickets. Yeah. But these seven guys, for all seven different stories, you know, six of them have been there before. The seventh, Nick Curry, has actually qualified to be there before and chosen not to go. He really <laughs> wants to go this year to the extent that he he's a relatively late entry to this race, Yeah, I believe. 
Uh, he was going to be in Havelina, and it was relatively late. Well, withdrawal. he was going to be at Bandera. He was going to be at Bandera. And exactly. Late withdrawal. So the story of those, I mean, Cole Watson had a 14th at Western States. I mean, Stephen Kirsch had a top 10. I mean, Frerix has had, you know, some, you know, a, a monumental blow up there. Sensiman had a good race and then, you know, barely scraped for 24 hours. Uh, Laney, I think, had one that he would consider decent and then some definite kind of meltdowns. All seven of those guys want to get back. Black Canyon is their chance to get back. There's only two golden <laughs> tickets. And uh, that, to me, is a story. The, the story of the Western States Dreamers. Well, what's funny is that of those seven names you mentioned, um, four of them are locals. Yes. And three of them are cowboys. Like, uh, one of the things that I was looking at is that there's an awful lot of Cowboys in this race. Mm -hmm. For those that have been, you know, following the sport for a few years, the Coconino Cowboys are, uh, I guess, a somewhat legendary group of guys. They're not really active or together. I don't know what the, the deal is. But, I mean, Stephen Kirsch, Tim Ferricks, and Eric Sensman yeah. have all, uh, you know, experienced, you know, quite a bit of success in this sport. And uh, they've they trained together in times past. Um, you know, Stephen Kirsch, multiple top tens at Western States. Uh, Tim Frerichs has won this race before. And Sensiman has, like you said, a top 15 finish at Western States and has also golden ticketed here. And none of those three are afraid to go for it. No, no. They... <laughs> and I think this weekend they're going to have to go for it. Yeah, yeah. It's... So you take those three, then you take Ryan Miller, okay? Mm -hmm. He had a Western States DNF in 2021 yeah. that he earned from, a, I think he earned a golden ticket. Bandera, maybe. Yes. Yeah. And uh, wants to avenge that. Hasn't raced much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't have a lot to, to go from there. Cole Watson. Uh, and David Laney. Cole Watson just missed out on a golden ticket here a couple of years ago at Hamlin yeah. 100. Yeah. He's an excellent talent. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he's right in that discussion, like you said. So, like, when we, back in Bandera, we had the Jeff Colt conversation because he was 11th at Western States. So he really wanted that ticket, you know, because 11th is, like, first loser in Western States. <laughs> We've got seven of those here. Yeah. You know, and then, we're, and then we got a whole bunch of, other, of other names to talk about. But, but you know, we were talking a little earlier about the Casey, the magic that she finds when she's on the course, you know, if, if, if this is going to be one of those examples where like people are lift off cars are strong enough to lift cars when they, you know, when the adrenaline's pumping, w one of these guys could be one of those lift off car guys. And just is like, you know what? I had my day. I saw myself getting to Olympic Valley. I saw myself getting to the track and I just had to have this otherworldly experience. Even if they are you know, like a couple of these guys been around a long time and maybe a tiny bit past their prime, although I wouldn't say any of them are past their prime oh, yeah. in sort of the big picture. But that's going to be a fascinating sort of subplot or main plot as the race uh, unfolds. Talking about people past their prime, well, the thing is we saw two Masters guys get golden tickets last year here in True Hart Brown mm -hmm. and Scott Trayer. I mean, you know, we've proved that age ain't nothing but a number. And, uh, you know, like and like for instance the cowboys are all in their early 30s yeah. nick is like 33 34 so yeah i mean these guys are oh all... and we saw devin who's over 40 get a ticket at Havilah true yeah on the women's side so, yeah. yeah you know i guess uh maybe there's a you know something about uh being uh wiser and more experienced when you get to this race in particular uh three names that uh i was looking at when i was trying to make my picks that are all on a quick turnaround uh, from Bandera. You've got uh, J.P. Giblin, who was second, did get his golden ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, Canyon Woodward uh, and Brian Curl, who 
you know, who finished mm-hmm. third and seventh, respectively. Uh, what are your thoughts on those three? Canyon Woodward. Canyon Woodward. Uh, you know, I just think because his name is Canyon, he should win. Because last year, a guy named Trueheart won. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All joking aside, he came back from the dead at Bandera. Yeah. You don't often see a guy front run get caught, get passed, and then he scrapes and claws back for a third-place finish. I think, too, he's got downhill legs, uh, which, as you, you noted in your course description, Very strong gonna, here. he's going to be smart. He's, he knows how to close. And this, this field, the way it's, you know, mile 50, there could still, after mile 50, there could still be a lot of jockeying. Mm-hmm. I, I think of the group you just mentioned there, of the Bandera bounce backers, I think Canyon Woodward's probably the most likely Bandera bounce backer on the uh, men's side. Since I picked Alexi Pappas fifth, she's a, a Bandera bounce backer mm. on the women's side. Yeah. Nothing against Brian or JP. I think JP might be here for training run. Sure. Running in a little bit of heat, running in some competition. Maybe he was signed up already and he just figured I'll come. And, that too. <laughs> you know, so, uh, Is that the, the Mako thought? Like, right. You know, where you basically just register for every golden ticket Re- race? Register and, for all of them and you know race the ones you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've also got a couple of interesting stories in terms of what I call the crossovers. Uh, John Ranieri and Ryan Raff. How do you handicap guys that you really you're literally trying to translate or translate um, in some ways a different sport? I mean, you've got, you know, for those that aren't familiar, John Ranieri is a 212 marathon. Yep, ran a 212 just in December at CIM. And uh, Ryan Raff is an NCAA Nationals cross-country level runner. I mean... is recently out of uh, NAU, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, NA... I mean, it's really hard to do. I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah. We'll just see. <laughs> and, we'll just I mean, see. how do you look at runners that are obviously so talented, but not knowing what they're going to do in this kind of format? I mean... You know, we, we've encountered that in some races before. We encountered it with Alexi, you know, at Bandera. At Bandera, yeah. So, but but with these guys, like, I know even less. Like, you know, Alexi's got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> right. You know, well, I mean, I mean, at the risk of being caustic, you know, the trail is littered with the <laughs> remains of 212 marathoners. <laughs> so, I mean, but of course, not all 212 marathoners are created equal. And True. whether you can make that, I mean, Peterman was a phenomenal college athlete, made the transition mm-hmm. relatively quickly from 50K to 50 mile to 100K to 100 mile. So I think the proof will be in the pudding. I'm really interested in seeing how Ranieri and Raf do. And and Raf is also an Aravipa team member, is yeah. Aravipa racing team, right? Yeah, there's several Aravipa racing team members out there on the course this weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I don't, I really don't, I, I have to say, and we're going to get to our picks in a second, I don't have either of those guys in my top five, but I wouldn't be surprised if either of them end up in the top five. Same, same. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I didn't have either of them in my top five. Um, one more subset of uh, competitors that I was looking at um, as we're heading in, uh, the international runners, yes. Tom Evans. Uh, is it Janosh, Janosh Kowalczyk? Kowalczyk yeah. and Jacob Puzzi. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, Jacob has had experience out here, uh, you know, finished sixth at Heaven 100 a couple of years ago. Tom Evans is Tom Evans. I mean, you've got a sub-15 at Western States. You are in the discussion. 
but Tom also already has a ticket. Yes. Um, and also, uh, Janash Kowalczyk, uh, first at the Mozart 100K UTMB race. You know, what are your thoughts on those three? So I'm intrigued for sure. Jacob, you know, Jacob seems to be resurgent. He, he ran those first three laps of Havelina, you know, on fire. Yes. Faded a little bit, ended up dropping out. But, uh, you know, he's a he lives in Canada most of the time, but part-time resident in Flagstaff and in this area has trained a fair bit on the Black Canyon course, I've uh -huh. noticed on Strava over the last couple of months, so can't count him out. Janosz Kowalczyk, I was not familiar with. I did my research, saw he got a sixth uh, two years ago at CCC. The Mozart course is a beast. Mm -hmm. He's, I think, also here with the Adidas T-Rex. Uh, but you know, yeah. he, but I don't know that for sure. And then Tom Evans, I mean, third at UTMB, maybe the best third place ever at UTMB. Uh, you know, second at Western States. He has wins at Tarawera and CCC. You know, going back five, six, seven years, is uh, he's a hard guy to bet against. Uh, you want to jump right into our picks? I do. I All do. right, um, I'll go first this time for the men's side. Okay. Um, in fifth place. It's totally like with the heart here. I'm I'm picking Nick Curry. I feel like Nick is going to be in another situation where when he gets to Black Canyon City, he's going to be like in 10th, and then he's going to reel in as many people as he can. I just don't know if he's got that ability to reel in everybody. I mean, he's, he's undeniably fast, but he's also so committed to the way he runs. And he doesn't step outside of his box. At least he hasn't. Now he could shock us all and do something completely different. But that's how I feel about Nick's chances. Um, number four, I've got Stephen Kirsch. In this case, for me, it was pick a cowboy. I didn't know which cowboy. Like, I feel like maybe two of them will have a good day, one better than the other, and the other one is just not going to be their day. But, like, I don't know if, you know, I, and, and at this point, Kirsch, I believe, is the most talented of the three, and that's not a strike against the other two because they're all awesome. Um, number three, I've got Cole Watson. Cole's had success out here in uh, Havelina, and I feel like he got the taste of it at Western States, uh, you know, through a sponsorship spot a couple of years ago, and he wants it back. Uh, number two, I've got Tom Evans. If Tom didn't have the ticket, I have him number one with a bullet. But I think he also doesn't have to win this race. I think he still, you know, is, you know, very close and in the discussion. And number one, I've got David Laney. Uh, I watched David Laney run a 12-3500. He is so fast. He is so talented, and he wants that ticket. So I feel like Laney, Evans, and Watson, the ticket passes down from Evans. And so David Laney and Cole Watson, I think, get your golden tickets from me. I love it. I love it. Well, you've got three of the dreamers <laughs> in your top five, right? With Cur Curry, Watson, and Laney. It's the day of the dreamer. It's the day of the dreamer. I went with my heart, too, on number five. Different. I mean, I love Nick Curry. You know mm -hmm. that. But I went with Ryan Miller. That 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 DNF in 2021 was so disappointing. He's a Texan. He has a Bandera win under his belt. He has been able to train all winter. I'm going with Ryan Miller, uh, number five. I'm going with a Cowboy, too, in number four, and that's Stephen Kirsch. So we've got him in the same slot, mm -hmm. probably for the same reason. Hasn't raced a ton. Yeah. Has good results. It, so he's my first dreamer. I'm going with Canyon Woodward, third. Oh. Uh, so of that Bandera bounce backers, I think Canyon is going to bounce back and he's going to get that third slot. I've got Laney slipping into second. Okay. So he's my second of three dreamers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's a gamer. I think he wants 
at least one more crack at Western States. He's smart. He is not going to be sucked into an overly fast pace. He's not going to make any mistakes. Yeah. So I've got Laney second, and I've got Evans winning. I hear you. I hear you on the he has a ticket already. Maybe he won't have as much of a motivation. But, man, winning Black Canyon, you know, four-plus months before Western States has got to, you know, it's going to, he's going to, be in the minds of some of those other front runners at Western States. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've had an international runner win Western States. Yeah. Uh, on the men's side, mm. plenty on the women's yeah, side. Yeah, I was going to say. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I think, uh, I think Tom is going to win this. Thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any, you know, fault with that whatsoever. I honestly believe that, uh, that in this race, Tom Evans is probably the most talented run around the male side. And when he gets to Western States, assuming he's healthy, he is going to be a lot of, a very popular pick for the top three. Oh, yeah. Like, he is just that talented. I mean, he's, you know, anytime you run sub-15 at Western States, you're automatically in, dis- in the discussion for the favorites at that race. Yeah. So um, those are our picks. Uh, we've got a couple other stories that we'd like to touch upon. And again, one more time, if you've got questions that you would like us to touch upon, uh, throw them in the chat and we'll hit as many as we can. But um, we've each got like a kind of an interest story. And, uh, and mine is Mike Melchior's. Mike is a Prescott runner locally. Um, and he is the only individual in this race who has run the race every year, run the 100K and mm-hmm. finished it. Now, last year, he came very close to not finishing it. He finished it in 19 hours, 56 minutes, give or take. So he finished with four minutes to spare, but he is a perfect nine for nine. He is bib number 10 this year because he's going for his 10th finish. Uh, An honorable mention to uh, his buddy, Dean Hansen, who he trains with and runs with, uh, because Dean has finished eight times, and the only time he missed was basically like they had to reattach his hip or something like that. So, (laughs) like, you know, props to uh, Mike and to Dean for uh, running this race. Who's your? I've uh, got a I've got a special, special in, a special interest story for Dana Dana Baxley out of Lexington, Kentucky. Dana is a PhD executive with the Nature Conservancy. Spends a ton of time underground cleaning up uh, de- old and decrepit mines in Appalachia. And in the 2022 Western States, she got in with a raffle ticket, ran the race. And got timed out 200 yards below Roby Point. Oh, For no. those of you keeping score at home, that's <laughs> about mile 98.8. She missed the cutoff at Roby Point, which is where you enter the, uh, the, the road and wind your way through Auburn. She came to Havelina and ran a 25-hour Havelina, hoping to get picked in the lottery didn't get picked in the lottery, and is coming out here, has trained through the winter in Kentucky, uh, just that she she has the Western States fever, and, <laughs> and for all the right reasons. I will never forget the look on her face when the truck brought her back to the track, and she was dropped off, and, and the crowd came around her, and having missed that cutoff by such a small amount. So it's a, it's a story because she's going to, like a lot of 
folks who are going to, you know, toil in obscurity going after that sub-17 uh, number. Hopefully we'll be able to celebrate some of them in our, in our late night uh, broadcast uh, up, on the, up at the finish line. But Dana is one of the many who are making the trip out here to Arizona so that they can check that box again, get that Western States qualifier, and get themselves in the lottery again for the 2024 race. I can't wait to see how Dana does, and I can't wait to see how all of those who are chasing those Western States qualifiers do this weekend at Black Canyon. I guess Tom Evans is actually joining us in, in, with us in the chat right now. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, he's excited to be here. Tom, we're excited to see you run out here. Uh, That's right. Wait Good. For this Thanks weekend. for jumping in on the chat. Um, Bryce, do we have any questions before we uh, call it a show? We certainly do. Let me get back to the uh, top of the chat here. Sure. Will the first person to Black Canyon City take the win, or are we going to have racing in the back? Oh, I think that we're going to have racing in the back. I think we're going to have racing in the back. I know. I know that uh, I believe that uh, Liam Tryon, Aid Station Fireball, for those that you follow on social media, he actually broke it down that that for the most part, like things stay pretty static after Black Canyon City. But I think it's too hard to predict that because, you know, this is a race that that too many runners like while they he he might have seen that. I've also seen the lead dogs like come into uh, Black Canyon City or into Table Mesa and just call it there. Yeah. Like with, you know, 10 miles to go, they're just like, I can't sustain. Well, two, two, two noteworthy examples from recent years. Brittany Peterson coming from behind past Lisa Roberts yeah. in her course record year. And then Scott Traer. Yeah, you know, a, no, a notorious come from behind runner to, to nab his ticket last year. So I, I think you're, you're likely to see some racing uh, from Black Canyon City. With the possible exception of Heather Jackson. If she pulls a flyer <laughs> and she goes and she keeps the hammer down, she might have it in the bag by Black Canyon City. All right. And then uh, we got, I think we got time for one more from Buckeye Jen who asks, what is the weather forecast for race day and how do you think it'll impact the runners? That's, uh, your, that's all you, Chris. From what I saw, I believe that the race forecast is going to be – pretty mild like in the highs in the upper 60s at black canyon city it doesn't sound like the water levels are of any concern we're not going to be swept away or any course reroutes or anything i mean i've been out there when course reroutes have had to happen and it gets bonkers i've been out there when you know you're trudging through six inches of water or three inches of mud or both um <laughs> i've been uh, you know out there in you know scorching you know conditions which you know, maybe 75, 80 degrees where, yeah, I mean, yeah, it does get to be 110 here sometimes, but that desert heat with no, the, the sun just hits different here yeah. and you've got to be conditioned for it. So even in the upper sixties, you could find some people unintentionally cooking if they've gone out too hard in the first mm -hmm. half. That's why I think that the black can or the bumblebee, you know, bellwether is not necessarily indicative of who's going to and if i could jump in for those uh western states qualifier chasers right where we're talking about a midnight 1 a.m finish depending on which start they have they will need to be bundling up a little bit yes for that last uh 10 15 miles you know that, that second night cold as you slow down i mean it's going to be in the upper 30s yeah you well, need to be ready for that all right. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. For uh, Andy Jones-Wilkins, I'm Chris Warden. Uh, be sure to join us this weekend as we do the live stream uh, of the Black Canyon 100K. We will be uh, streaming through the 
men's and women's podiums for the 100K on Saturday. And then uh, we'll have a, uh, we'll go quiet. Uh, and then at 11 p.m., uh, AGW and I are going to jump back on for a couple hours simply to uh, congratulate and support those runners that are sliding in just under that 17-hour mark to get their ticket punched to the Western States Lottery this December. Exactly. The Western States Qualifier Golden Hour. Absolutely. Black Canyon style. It, that's, you know, <laughs> if you have any questions on what that feels like, just hit me up and I'll tell you all about it as I've made it my annual thing. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you this Saturday on uh, right here on the YouTube channel.